0: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All
1: right, everybody knows we love Dogtra, Dogtra.com. Uh, the y 600 bar collars, the 1900S uh, black, that's one of uh, Ted's favorites. Uh, check them out, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over $200. That is Dogtra.com. Hits canine for handlers by handlers. In
0: Chocolate City for 2024, New Orleans, 2024, August 21st to the 23rd. Hit them up. Hits Canine K9, 9 letter k 9net Don't wait till the last minute to sign up.
1: We have a great relationship with the folks down at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, they have a great balance of healthy meats, grains, and it's made specifically for working and sporting dogs. Check them out, KineticDogFood.com. You will not be disappointed. They are great. Hey, guys, be sure to check out Ray Allen Manufacturing's
0: new training app that they've got, iTunes Store, and the Android Store, uh, new product collaborations. Um, be sure to check it out. We also got a new discount code RAM, R-A-M-W-D-R, RAM, W-D-R, for 10% off, Allen.com. American Aluminum, best inserts in the game. Hit them up at Easy Rider Online. That's the letter E Z
1: RiderOnline.com. Brand new advertiser guys, Rex Specs. We love them. They believe that any adventure worker play is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected and with you no matter what. Rex specs designs and manufactures performance-driven dog gear for the active and working dog. 20% off your first order. Discount code Working Dog Radio. All right, everybody, we are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. It is uh, December, a couple days before Christmas. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll notice it's just Ted and I in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Eric from Ohio and we got Ted uh, Summers from Tulsa Globe and Ted, how's it going over there?
0: Uh, Rocking and rolling. We're getting ready uh pick up date for my next handler school, which starts the 2nd of January is the 26th. Of the day after Christmas, everybody's picking up their new dog
1: um it's a big class isn't
0: it fucking 17
1: Uh, it's a lot (laughs) it's
0: more than 15 and less than 20 um so it's a a lot of handlers yeah so it's gonna be fun um that'll be also uh the state of oklahoma just require well starting january 1st um is gonna be requiring a minimum of a four-week class 160 hours uh, to even get your letter to test, to even get certified. Oklahoma is one of those states that we have a mandatory state certification. And to even get the letter to test, you have to have a 160 hour course from an accredited place. So it um, should be interesting. We've had one before where it was just a week that required, um, but they moved it to four weeks. So uh, I'm not complaining about it. Um, so I've, we've been doing four week classes forever. So it is what it is that and I've been working on the new 501 for Oklahoma. Um kind of what you guys do with pk9a but uh it's called the oil capital canine fund um and it's dedicated to just uh oklahoma canine teams i'm gonna bring uh, we're gonna donate dogs hot and pops and then um bring in guys like you and maybe rigney michael Kamisik, um and all those courses will be free all you got to do is show up um so it gives um some teams in oklahoma And the region that may not have access to instructors like you or those guys or have the ability to go to hits or uh, hold the line conference or whatever and get actual hands-on instruction um, from that. So I've been fucking rocking and rolling on that. We now have a guide star rating with gold transparency, so that's been fun uh, to get that jump through all those hoops. But, um, yeah, so what have you been up to?
1: I'm just – had some guys in from Michigan just did some work um I'm booking my e-collar without conflict seminars like crazy we got four or five of them booked a couple were just you know iron out some details be out in California, Indiana, Philadelphia um Alabama going to go to Alabama here pretty soon oh nice <clears throat> so it's been pretty good I'm looking forward to coming over to Tulsa doing that stuff over there I haven't done one in Oklahoma yet um I don't even know if, if I've had anybody ask. Maybe. I think maybe. But, um, you know, getting... A lot of people have, um, you know, reach out, and they're like, yeah, I want to get you here, and I give them details, and they go to their admin, and they come back to, like, they said, fuck off.
0: Yeah, especially here.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is why I'm doing the 501. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Ohio's can be the same. Um, you know, I ran one at my place. My plan is to do another one at my place in the spring, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. There's a lot, um, you know. I got a lot of them scheduled in the spring. So, um, but just yeah, rocking and rolling, doing all that stuff, uh, getting um, a lot more SWAT teams and tactical units using the fun house. Get that that part gears up pretty heavy in January, January, February, March. Uh, get a lot of guys in there using the place for that because you know it's there's no windows, it's pitch black, so you can run nods at nine o'clock in the morning you don't have to wait till nighttime to train um you can make it black dark dark like crazy dark in there so and you have heat and there's heat yes heat and And four bathrooms yes that's (laughs) most important part of anything is everybody wants to know where the shitter is and well it feels good in here um training when you're cold really sucks but
0: yes it does
1: so anyways um we are uh What are we going to do tonight? You tell them.
0: Well, okay. So (laughs) I've been living with this for a while. Um, You have not. (laughs) This is new. Yeah, it's new for you guys. Um, So Ohio just passed uh, recreational marijuana. Um, And every time a state goes from restricted to medical or medical to recreational, everybody loses their collective fucking minds. And the sky is falling. People freak the fuck out. Uh, there was a goofball trainer in Illinois, like, when it happened there, talking about having to kill dogs. And, I mean, it just, like, I've never seen such a, like, adverse knee-jerk reaction to something like this. In like, you'd thought that they, like, legalized, like, drunk driving. Or, or like, you know, they, they, I mean, it's it's insane. So, um kind of hopefully, and Oklahoma has had it for a while. We actually just voted it down uh, to go recreational. Um, And I think a lot of that in part is because in our infinite wisdom, our legislators allowed uh, the weed industry to write the legislation, uh, which, you know, ended up predictable for the medical side. And uh, it's turned into a shit show here. And I think voters are kind of sick of it. Um, So (laughs) we voted it down to like 70, 30. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was in resounding. And I, I gotta be honest with you. uh, I had a class going on during that, like while that vote was happening and, uh, I had admins and, um, district attorneys and, you know, whoever legal guys, um, at these departments being like, um, no weed, no weed, no weed. It's going to pass the next day. They were like, um, can we change our mind? (laughs) (laughs) So it's been, uh, it's been an interesting, and for, I don't know, eight months before that, um, it was, we were kind of in limbo because it, uh, I I mean, it, it became a question of, can we, should we, shouldn't we? And I just told departments, I was like, look, if it passes in November, um, I'll do, I'll add the extra odor for free. And then you recertify no big deal. Um, but it didn't happen. So even after that, I had departments then switch again, go from three to four odors. Um, so and then I've done some dogs. Uh, I did some dogs recently for Texas, which is still illegal illegal in Texas. And they're like, nah, we're not, we're not fucking with weed. We don't care. Um, so there's certain places in Texas where they have a catch and release program for possession under a certain amount, and they're just not fucking with it. So in certain places, now there are certain places in Texas where they are definitely. <laughs> but uh so yeah right. how's uh, <laughs> what's going on in ohio everybody's freaking out oh yeah
1: well you're right so before the vote um you didn't know how it was going to go last time they voted which i can't remember if it was last year or two years ago he got crushed but you know the the um sentiment had changed it's funny because when they made it medical um, it took the state forever to roll out because they put it under the board of pharmacy. It took them forever to roll out. Where can you get it? What are the rules? Cause you know, t- when you vote, when you vote something in they, the, the legislature still has to craft the law. Right. Um, yeah. And that's so that it's a little shady. So they vote in the recreational and then now, the, of course, the politicians are trying to add riders onto it and push agendas and everything like that. Instead of it, definitely isn't doesn't come out to be the um, the intent of the voters, uh, what they really wanted. They thought, well, no, it's politicians doing politician things. I mean, right. Yeah. So before it came out, I was down with the uh, state highway patrol. They still have some weed dogs, and uh, they uh, they said, "Well, what do you think? What are you going to do?" And I said, "Guys, don't." Fucking panic And get rid of all your dogs Or retire all your weed dogs Do some research There yeah. are state cases A lot of them around this country And this kind of one of Some of the things that Ted's going to go over During this this podcast That um, Where state supreme courts have said No, even though it's legal You can still use the dogs But of course the highway patrol In their stupidity Panicked and just retired all of the weed dogs yeah now the you only reason two, you guys
0: have two state level cases too that
1: yeah and we'll talk about that too yeah. the only reason why the highway patrol can do that is because they have a piles and piles of money right these other cases come from agencies that can't afford just to get rid of their dogs but osp gets is able to do a bunch of shit some of it's stupid because they just screw it they have a massive budget they have a lot of money um and then a lot of agencies just can't afford to do what they're doing so they're uh they're panicking we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some case law stuff and then we're going to talk about um some of the most moronic idiotic things that i'm hearing that trainers are telling agencies yeah states and everything that they can do the biggest con artist things I've ever heard. And we're going to yeah. kind of delve into that just a little bit.
0: I've got some stories from the other side too, from the prosecutor's side, <laughs> I've talking with some of those people. I'm like, did you go to law school? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you need to re- get a refund. But, <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so, you know, I just to kind of like level the playing field here, let's just set one thing. And, and I, the only reason this is fresh in my mind is because I had a conversation yesterday with a, a prosecutor or prosecutor's office. And, you know, for a group of people that are super particular about um, nomenclature and like word choice and, you know, I mean, lawyers are, are, I mean, they, they're, they write, they talk, you know, they're very good with the English language. They have to be right. So remember everybody remembers when Clinton did the whole, it depends on what the definition or the word is, is right. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> a lot of times that we're interchanging the word legal and regulated. And I, I talked to a prosecutor yesterday and he's like, well, weed is legal. I'm like, no, it's regulated. There's a difference between those two things. My seven-year-old niece can go into a convenience store and she can buy a Gatorade or a Red Bull or whatever. She cannot go in and buy cigarettes, alcohol, or marijuana. <laughs> Those substances are regulated and they're regulated by state statute. They're regulated by through any number of ways, whether it's a prescription deal. And if it's not a prescription, then it's regulated by age and it's regulated by amount. And each state has its own thing for marijuana anyway. Um, so there's a fundamental difference here. And I think when we start using the word legal versus regulated, we start veering off into territory where which I'll tell some stories later where they're gets into, it gets us into a frame of mind where we start kind of like ad hocing any probable cause or reasonable suspicion if, if it involves weed at all, which I think is, is an error, um, an error in admins and an error in prosecutors, um, regardless of the legal status um, or regardless of the regulation status of marijuana within a jurisdiction. Um, so what we're talking about, it, we're talking about a regulated substance, just like any prescription drug just like alcohol, just like tobacco. Tobacco is a regulated substance. Now it's obviously not scheduled. It's not a schedule one like right. wheat is with the, with the feds, but it's still a regulated substance. So I just want to set that out there. Like, and I just, if you're listening to this, and this is the only episode you've ever heard of this, like I need to do the Jay-Z thing. Uh, I didn't pass the bar, but I know a little bit. And same thing with Eric. So like, this is not legal advice. This is marginal legal advice. It's just kind of a, uh, two trainers talking from this side of this debate and this thing um yeah so where do we go from here
1: and if you're listening to this and you're like i wonder if it's legal or regulated in my state if there's any rules it's regulated yeah like in ohio you can only have so many plants and there's just all like when they came out with medical in ohio you were never allowed to put flame to plant ever right um it's always, uh, um, edibles and tinctures and all this other shit. So, uh, people will be like, I got a, I can smell weed on you, dude. Well, you got a medical card. You can't smoke it. So, and that's going to be interesting to me how they deal with that because they had passed medical and then they're, you know, doing the regulation of the, of the recreational, how does that change? Can all you, you, do we? We don't need medical, then, I guess, unless you're just trying to get it to where it can be a prescription, um, but they still can't smoke it. So, um, and then that, there's
0: another status here, too. So we have medical, right? Everybody understands what that is. We have recreational, which everyone understands what that is. And then there is a third status called decriminalized. Um, which is like North Carolina and North Dakota. There's several states that have done it. I think Nebraska's, I got a list in front of me here. Nebraska is like decriminalized and it depends. For example, North Carolina, um, it's illegal, but it's decriminalized up to 42 grams or an ounce and a half. Whereas in North Dakota, same thing, decriminalized up to 14 grams. Um, And then the status in those two states varies in terms of recreational or, or not. So there's, a lot of convoluted terms being thrown around, and I don't take this the wrong way, but I'm not really uh, willing to take it legal advice from a marijuana user about the legal status of the yeah. there. So, like, obviously, they're going to advocate for it, which is fine. I, whatever, I mean, it's fine. Just like I don't listen to people that are alcoholics talk about how they can stop anytime they want. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're really
1: Ohio's going to really heavy, heavy regulate. Uh, who can sell, right? Where can be sold and who can sell it. I believe they're already saying you cannot sell it if there's alcohol uh, in the same establishment.
0: And in Oklahoma, because we shot ourselves in the foot, uh, Oklahoma was the, I think it is still the cheapest place in the country to get a a license in terms of growing, which itself um, brought a lot of, um, criminal elements in um there's some things about it that you have to be um an oklahoma you have to be an oklahoma resident to be able to own the land to grow it so we have a lot of people doing effectively a straw purchase or like a straw grow Mm -hmm. and the grow is actually owned by um cartel or asian um criminal gangs um and some other stuff without getting too far into it but we didn't have a limit on the number of grows of the number of dispensaries. And uh, we finally this year, I think this year, starting in 2024, we're going to stop allowing new dispensaries because they're literally one on fucking every corner. I mean, where I'm sitting now um, at my house uh, and granted, Tulsa's urban. I mean, it's one of the 50 largest cities in the country, but uh, there is nine dispensaries within about three minutes of me. Wow. Yeah and that's just what where I, and I live in a densely populated area. Um, so they've, they've kind of, and then the other portion of this is, um, I don't know how much this is public information. So I'll just, there's been enough weed grown in Oklahoma, um, that I don't know that everyone that has a license here, uh, would be able to consume it or buy it. So, uh, there is a definite black market, um, uh, outlet for these. Oh, and of course they're, they're getting popped by the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics, which does a great job. Um, the medical marijuana board also, which does a great job. Um, and it's been a cover for lots of other things. So,
1: yeah. So the pet side of my business, Richside side canine Ohio is we're in a strip plaza. There's uh nine suites. We have, uh, there's a restaurant in suite one and two. Number three is blank. We have, uh, or he has one, two, three, four is blank. We're five, six, seven, eight and nine was a quote unquote vape shop that got raided by the cops because they had 50 gambling machines in there. Um, they got raided last week. We were there too when it happened. It was great. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the guy who runs the restaurant, he's been looking into the marijuana to be a, to be a, um, you know, to be able to sell. He's the one that told me, he said, well, I can't sell it out of the restaurant because I have a liquor license. So he goes, I was thinking of renting suite nine on the very end and doing a marijuana, you know, sales business. And I, and he said, but the problem is, and this is of course how Ohio will um, regulate and control. If to apply to apply to get your license, you have to, you have to pony up $80,000.
0: Yeah, that's good. Oklahoma is 2,500 bucks.
1: Yeah, $80,000, he said. You get it back if you don't get selected, but you also have to already have a location. So the only people that are going to be able to do that are wealthy folks, wealthy business people. Confront uh, eighty grand and have a location. It's not like somebody's like, listen, if I get the permit, I'll go find a spot. Why am I going to rent if I'm going to get turned down?
0: You know, in, it's an interesting... in. It's interesting because because uh, I've seen this. So because Oklahoma is so much further ahead than Ohio is in terms of – and just, I think, because of the proliferation of things, um, when – It became legal. People were like, oh, man, this is my ticket to make millions or whatever else. And now we've got a fucking dispensary on every on every spot near my kennel. Now, check this out. So my landlord owns about 40 million dollars of the property within this large square area where my kennel is. Um, I'm literally 10 seconds outside of one of the largest 50 cities in the country within my block. So in my square mile, I have three grows that produce so much weed that I can smell it when they open the door. when they open the doors. So the proliferation, and, and here's the trick. And this is what I've seen kind of like over and over again. Once it went not black market and it became legitimate, the people that are involved in this didn't just become involved overnight. And they have been involved at some level, whether just a user or as an illicit grower and an illicit provider for some time. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking that. Like whatever. That that's not that's beyond the scope of this conversation. But what it is important is those people have been involved at some point in the illicit side as well. And now what they're learning is what you know. You and I know having to deal with the fucking government and deal with the feds and deal with the state and everything else. Pay taxes um, is that it's a pain in the ass. And if you're listening to this in, in Ohio, in Ohio opening a dispensary is not a ticket to millions unless you no. already have a shit ton of money. Like you're not. And the other portion of this too, that they, that didn't seem to pan out is that a lot of the people that are, that are users. Now they medical users were recreational users in Oklahoma. And there are some that are legitimate medical users, which is fine. And I'm all for it. If it helps you with seizures or glaucoma or whatever your medical ailment is, I'm all for it. That's fine the trick here is, is that a lot of your customers also were involved in the illicit side also and making it less or more accessible and legal doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a ton of extra business from that side. You'll definitely get some more, but it def it's not going to explode. Like you're not going to, you're not going to have, you know, 400 fucking soccer moms being like, Oh, I'm going to get, i'm gonna get baked every morning now that's not gonna happen
1: no and i'm not
0: advocating that so if you're listening to this and you're in ohio and you're like man this is my ticket to millions that's not (laughs) i'm telling you right now
1: and ohio made it so employers can decide um you know can you uh smoke if you work there or not um they they they're allowed to say no but i do believe they just they just said that uh, it can't be used against you for employment, like uh, if you apply to the job.
0: The only time that that's different um, is if you have a do uh, a Department of Transportation job. Yeah, right. Um, which, yeah. like, whatever. Oh, shit in fucking New Jersey. If you're listening to this and you're in New Jersey and you're a cop, they can't test you for it anymore.
1: I think Ohio might be headed that way, dude, as far as,
0: you know, I mean, it's neither here nor there here. If you do um, a lot of times, the only thing that they ask is they say, if you do a drug test uh, for a non DOT job and, or that requires some DOT stuff, um, they just say, you know, just, do you have a medical, they just want to copy or just want to see your thing. They don't give a shit why you have it. They just see your license or your permit.
1: Yeah. So, um, and, and, for those of you who are listening to this and you go fact check me on the $80,000 keep in mind, I didn't look that up. I got it from a guy who runs a restaurant in the plaza where my fucking business is, but it seemed a very specific cause he already tried. But anyways, we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break and we get back. We're going to um, Ted's going to roll out some of his 180 pages of uh, documentation. He has there about ca- court cases um, that show from different places that show uh, that you do not have to get rid of your weed dogs that, um, some state cases, including a couple from Ohio. And I do believe there is a state that said, yeah, fuck off. No dogs. Yeah. There's four. Yeah. So So. we're going to say in both, you know, both sides. So you can, um, so hopefully some prosecutors that don't know, you know, which way to go can listen to this and go, okay, cool. Uh, let me put some shit in writing and find out. So, um, we'll be right back. All right, we just finished the HITS Canine Training Conference this year in Phoenix, and what a great time it was. What a great turnout, great instructions. It, I don't know, like 1,300 guys there. It was amazing. Well, guess what? They're coming back next year, August 21st to the 23rd in New Orleans. You do not want to miss it, guys. I'm telling you, it's amazing. The giveaways, the instruction, the instructors, the uh, hanging around at night, getting to meet people. And Ted and I will both be teaching there. Um, if you check them out, hits canine.net or check them out online, they're everywhere. Hits canine.net, um, sign up next year. Do not wait. We had a lot of people that waited too long and had to stay at a different hotel than host hotel. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out. You will not find a larger conference to go to. It is by handlers for handlers. You definitely don't want to miss it out. Hits 9net new Orleans, 2024.
0: We get a fueling a working dog can be tough, but they need high quality food to give them energy and nutrients that require for work and keep their gut healthy for everything that we ask them to do. Kinetic dog food is a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available. Supplements are actually really cool. They have a weight gainer and they have a, an electrolyte one too, which is uh, we actually use the kennel. Uh, as it's so hot all the time in Oklahoma. Uh, and they've been working to perfect their line with thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the US. And you can buy it locally or you can buy it online at Tractor Supply and Chewy. So hit them up at Kinetic Dog Food. That's going to be good for Instagram and Facebook. Just spell it out. And then kineticdogfood.com. Or you can send out a text. Like if you have a question, you can call them and just talk to Dave. Area code 513 615 6904. And that dude loves to talk about. Nutrition labels and what's actually in the food you're feeding versus what they have. So hit them up kinetic.com, kinetic dog food.com. We are pleased to have with us on the show as a sponsor, Rex Specs Canine. They believe that any adventure or work or play is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected no matter what. They design and manufacture performance dragon gear for the active working dog. You can use the discount code WORKINGDOGGRADIER to get 20% off your first order. But what do they make? Specifically, they make goggles. And it's great for dogs that have panis, which is a genetic thing with their eyes, but it also prevents uh, sticks and stuff for... I have to think about this for a second. There's Because I don't want to just read this because it sounds like I'm just fucking reading it. Sticks, seeds, ducks, rocks. uh, Yeah, But it sounds like I'm fucking reading it. We're pleased to have, as a sponsor, Rexpex Canine. They believe that in any adventure, whether work or play, is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected with you no matter what. Rexpex designs and manufactures performance-driven dog gear for the active and working dog. Uh, Specifically, what do they make, though? So if you wanted to get some goggles for the dog, which is great protecting from UV rays, sticks, seeds, ducks, Right, hunting dogs and rocks, FEMA guys. Think about tracking or working in thick cover, rotor wash, uh, dust and sandstorms, nasty basements or attics, or at the range. And specifically, they have interchangeable linches. They got a dark one and then they have a clear one uh, used by professionals worldwide. One of my favorite things that they actually make is the Ear Pro. It's something that we use all the time. So, one of the things that we do at our handler schools is we do obedience under gunfire with a handler shooting and with backup shooting and move uh, from target to target. And the dogs actually wear the Ear Pro while we're working all the time and we treat it just like we treat a muzzle so the dogs will muzzle up wear the ear pro wear the muzzle we're good to go it knocks it down between 18 and 24 decibels all made in quality in the united states rex specs dot com at rex specs canine letter k number nine on instagrams and the facebook working dog radio for your 20
1: percent off all right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. I hope you guys enjoy our sponsors. You see, we got Rexpex as a new sponsor. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, Ray Allen is a new uh, discount code. You guys wore out the old one. We really appreciate it. So they came up with a new one. Make sure you check the sh- show notes. I still see online every once in a while. People are like, it doesn't work. I'm like, because you're four months too late. So, um, Ted. So I talked to you the other day. I was like, "Hey, man, I need some. Let's talk about some states."
0: Yeah, the day that I've got. And he's
1: like, "Well, dude, I got a lot. So, uh, kind of just hit on some real good ones, and you know, kind of. I don't know if there's similarities, differences, why they ruled this, that, if they cited each other, or anything like that."
0: So I made a, a like, I kind of have a multiple, like, I have a couple of lists going of a bunch of case law stuff. One that I've been talking a lot about, which is not relative to this conversation, but they kind of would give you an idea of how I got here is the whole time on bite thing, um, which I've got a bunch of cases that are relative to that. They've specifically mentioned it. Um, that's outside the scope of this conversation, but I've had one um, going with all of these random weird state cases and fed cases that have to do with weed. Um, and then our buddy, Michael Kamisik from uh, sheepdog consulting. If you're not, go we need to have him back on i need to fucking we're, when yeah, we have him at a do. conference we'll getting we'll nail, nail him back down he always has good stuff to talk about michael's awesome uh michael hub confirm a lot of the cases that i had already set aside um to talk about and has a great thing on his website um about that just kind of like details all of these cases and there's a bunch of them they fall into two categories um they fall into um a list of marijuana cases uh related to dogs and odor now these aren't because there's some cases that are in this list like from pennsylvania from oklahoma like with the state supreme court in oklahoma has a case outside of a dog search that says that the odor of marijuana is sufficient to establish probable cause of search vehicle Um, ironically enough the same day the state of pennsylvania So the exact opposite. So it gets kind of like weird. So the stuff that I'm going to talk about specifically deals with, we're going to talk about you and me specifically deals with dogs Um, where, uh, and they they all follow the same pattern, whether they grant or deny. So initially, you know, somebody gets popped. um, The dog is used to get into the car. They find weed or they don't find or whatever. Uh, And then during a suppression hearing, um, an attorney makes the argument that the dog was not there or shouldn't have been there in the first place or whatever it is. And they try and get a suppression and they fall in These cases fall into two categories, one where they deny the motion or one where they like, they affirm it, right? Like, yeah, they give a suppression or no, they don't. And a vast majority of these fall into the affirmation where probable cause was justified and probable cause was granted. Um, the motion to suppress was denied or they were, they like, uh, they deny the motion depending on which direction it went from the initial, the initial case. The one thing that's interesting about all these is um, it, it, they fall back to basics, right? So when we talk about bite work or when we talk about apprehensions, right, Eric, when we're teaching new you, you handlers, the thing that we talk about is gram, right? Mm-hmm. Three prongs of gram. you got to have these three. And then we kind of get a little deeper. I have something I call the fourth prong of gram that I teach to handlers. Um It's a little different. It's a little more, it just goes a little step further just to kind of justify some extra things. Um, So, but we always fall back to basics Um, and everybody wants to kind of like separate dog work from the rest of police work because they're dogs and they've always done it. And I don't understand why. Uh, I mean, I kind of conceptually do, but I think it's because it's an easy thing to say. Um, So they're just on the federal level. um, They're at the upholding, there's really only uh, we got one case uh, in the second circuit, two in the ninth, and then one in the 10th circuit. Um, so we have a total of five cases that affirm that the odor is sufficient to establish probable cause. So if you're in one of those dig- the districts, the second, the ninth, or the 10th. Um, but the thing about those cases is they follow a similar fact pattern. So um, Garrett well, U.S. versus Garrett is in the second Lugo. U.S. versus Lugo uses Lugo and U.S. versus Gray is in the ninth. And then DeLuca is in the 10th. They all follow a very similar fact pattern. So the argument would be that if it popped up in, say, the sixth, with a very similar fact pattern, that not to create an issue, you would think that the sixth circuit would fall in line. If not, then we're asking for Papa SCOTUS to get involved. And I don't think anybody really wants that. So specifically for Ohio, there are two cases. And the only reason that I pick these one because you're in ohio and we were just talking about it and two they're very new they're from 2022 um and the first one is and they both have a very similar like like i'm trying to just how to describe this like you know what they wanted to decide um for example in state versus hall which was published in 2022 if i remember correctly august let me look at it august 26, august 11th 2022 you know, did the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas, which you guys have that other district thing that we don't have here. Um, they erred in denying this dude's motion, Johnson's motion, uh, to suppress because the state of Ohio failed to meet its burden in establishing a sufficient probable cost to justify the car search based on the odor of marijuana. Um, so they go through and describe all these things. At the end of it, they basically said um, – the trooper's testimony that he smelled the odor of raw marijuana when he approached the vehicle was sufficient probable cause to search the vehicle even if drugs were determined to be legal. And it's interesting because we're gonna have another guest on next year. Um, Several of these cases, in fact, this case specifically talks about um, the difference between medical marijuana and what they put in quotations is low THC hemp. And both were semi or legal at the time at the time this case happened. even outside of that, they still determine that the court, the uh, Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas, they affirmed, and the motion to suppress was denied. And then the same outcome came in State versus Johnson, which was published the same day. Um, and it was also the troopers, and it was the exact same line of logic. And that line of logic follows um, pretty much a very similar pattern through all of these cases and all these state cases. The one from the 10th Circuit is probably the best like written one that it well i'm a knuckle dragger but in terms of being able to easy to understand and very well written united states versus deluca uh it was august 20th 2022 i don't remember it's the the actual um i have the link it's on another computer but i don't have it here but um they basically have made it um they've been making the argument that we've been making for a long time um, and it is essentially that, and they talk about hemp in this one too, like hemp versus THC, like, how do you know? And you know, what if, and what if not, and even if hemp was added to the list of the four controlled substances that the dog was certified to alert on the dog's alert on top of all the other reasonable suspicion that we already have to even get the dog out and extend, extend the stop. So you don't have a Rodriguez violation would still give rise to a high probability that a controlled substance was in the car. As four of those five substances, assuming the dog was trained on hemp, that the dog could detect was illegal. Thus, the 10th Circuit found that the officers had probable cause to search the car, regardless of whether the dog was trained to alert on legal hemp or not. And it kind of goes back and forth to that. You know, it, like I said, it falls back to basics, right? Like establishing reasonable suspicion and then establishing probable cause. Those skill sets for guys that do this routinely are where these cases are made not in the training of the dog and we still have to kind of default back to Florida versus harris which we've talked about at length on this episode on this podcast multiple times but it's the uh, it's the records case and it's a certification case right it's the one to say that says now that we have to be certified uh you just do um you guys have a state opata uh we have cleat we have ours but a lot of my guys do national also uh, but you have to be certified by a bona fide third party. We. And in that case, they say that it is completely reasonable that you can be a hundred percent accurate in certifications. I mean, in fact, the certification standards kind of demand it. Um, and you can be upwards of nine. I don't remember the actual word is verbiage, but it's 90 something percent of the field. And it's still the accuracy of the dog and it's still be accurate. Um, so. Again, it's a foundation thing. Like, do you understand how to develop and articulate reasonable suspicion? Do you understand how to develop and articulate probable cause? If you can do those things, you can still get in. And the example that I give to people on this is, and with district attorneys, we talked about fun stories with idiots. So I have a semi-local district attorney that threw a gun case. So a handler stops a car, finds weed. Not a single person in the vehicle is over 21, which means that possession of this substance is not legal at any at any stage. It's not in the correct container, which I can talk about all this shit in a second, but it's not in the correct container. It obviously doesn't have anybody's name on it. It's probably over the amount of weight. Right. So everybody's under 20. They also found a gun. And the prosecuting attorney kicked it for everyone in the car because she was afraid that the defense would say they have a medical card or she just didn't want to touch the medical. She didn't want to touch marijuana. And I kind of laughed at her and I was like, that's honestly, that's fucking stupid is what I said. And she, she's the one that I said, did you go to law school? Cause you need a refund. And she got kind of bent out of shape. And I was like, well, let me ask you a question. And if you're listening to this, kind of run this through your mind, take weed out of the equation and the stop. You stop a car full of a bunch of minors. And in fact, let's go one step further. You stop a bunch of cars. Everyone in the car is over 21, but you smell alcohol. What would you assume? What would you do? And I mean, she blazingly told me, oh, I would assume that you've been drinking and we would pull everyone out of the vehicle and do this and that. And then we would start giving field sobriety tests and determining this. And because of that, they're being detained down the line. And I said, so, okay. Now we're dealing with two regulated substances here, and she was one of those "no weed is legal" things. So it's one of those status arguments, and because—and I'm not here to debate whether what's more dangerous, alcohol or weed—I don't really care. But the argument is, she's scared of pulling people from vehicles and searching cars with the odor of marijuana, but has zero problem with with alcohol, which right. fucking floors me, and. I thought this is an isolated incident. It's not. It is 100% not an isolated incident. And it fucking floors me when I hear it.
1: What's going to be funny here is I know a bunch of guys that are like, we are going to start crushing people with marijuana OVI's, crushing them with well, DUI's from marijuana. And so
0: how, and then we get into the, what I was just talking about. How mm-hmm. do they even establish Reasonable suspicion on that. Like everyone knows what weed smells like, yeah. right? Everyone that's ever listening to this, that you're a cop and you've arrested somebody for weed in your report, you wrote some version of based on my experience <clears throat> in education. I know what weed smells like. I know what the odor of marijuana smells like burnt and unburnt. And in fact, in one of these cases from Ohio, the trooper smelled the odor of, and it was in written down as raw marijuana. Yeah. So then we get into the argument of what about edibles and then what about concentrates when they use the little vape pen things, there's very, very little odor. And in fact, it doesn't even smell like marijuana. It smells like cookies. Yeah. It smells like cookies and cotton candy and shit or whatever. So um, which they've tried to do that here, but how are they going to test for it? And then you have to go down the whole road. We've already done that with alcohol testing and everything else. So um, the one thing, That I will tell you, when it happened in Oklahoma, everyone was like, oh, people are just going to walk around with weed in their car, da-da-da-da, we're not going to be able to stop them. I'm like, no, if you think about it, you actually have a lot to investigate now, right? So, for example, like in Oklahoma, um, we have, uh, we're not recreational, but um, it's legal to possess up to 8 ounces, so 230 grams, um, or an ounce of concentrates, and 72 ounces, two kilos of edibles in a residence holy uh, crap patient, yeah i dude that's what you get for letting the chickens or letting the, the fox into the hen house to write the laws patients are able to possess up to three ounces in public uh, so it's legal only for patients up to uh, about six plants um or seedlings per, per person or whatever for growing so my thing is these are all regulations that have to be like enforced. Right. Because this, this is the way of the law. Like, for example, the medical side for Ohio is then this is vague. It just says you guys are allowed to possess a 90 day supply. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> and it has to do with the dosage. And I'm sure the prescription says, you know, you have to take this much this much often. And so whatever. So just like a normal, like if I go get an antibiotic or if I go get blood pressure medication or whatever, I get a thing from the pharmacy that has the control number from the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics that has the actual number of the prescription, right? And I get it from a Mm -hmm. prescription pad, right? So you can look on a pill database and make sure that that pill is what's in that bottle, has my name on it, right? I can have the entire prescription in public. Mm -hmm. Um, If... I were to be driving around and get stopped and I had a blood pressure medication just out of its bottle in my little cup holder, they could technically charge me with possession of a controlled substance not in proper container. I did it before. Exactly. Right? Charge people. With Even it. though obviously blood pressure medication is non-narcotics, same thing with antibiotics. But the point is the law states this. So in Oklahoma, when they issue you your flower, they call it flower here, the, the, the raw material, the plant, um it is in a thing it's like a little it's in a container and in on that is a prescription label right it's got to have the correct it has all kinds of shit on it has the thc content it has a name it has the control number it has all this other stuff because we have regulations where everything sold in the state has to be grown here so that they can trace it back and blah, blah 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 so all that shit supposedly is on the thing but you can't just have it in a fucking ziploc baggie so you have to have your card you got to have it on you you have to have the weed in the thing like in the little container and these all have to be investigated and there is a citable offense for each one of these things but you can't investigate unless you get them out of the car to look at it so it becomes this chicken or the egg argument and i don't know of a district attorney in this country That would say, if I walk up to a car and I see an open container, say you see a little fifth, a pint of vodka with a cap off of it, find me one district attorney in this country that would be like, I'm not going to prosecute this case as an open container.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, they look at me like I got a dick growing out of my forehead when I give them the comparison. They're like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm like, it's not rocket science. Like, I'm not even a fucking attorney. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like I, to me, I don't under, I don't understand the disconnect.
1: They don't adapt well. So let's talk about. Um, so the the first big state that had to that got everybody's attention was Colorado. Colorado uh, legalized, yeah, yeah. you know, did their recreational marijuana. That's when you hear the guy from Illinois saying you got to kill them all and we're going to yeah. kill dogs and we're going to get rid of everybody. What what does the Supreme Court in Colorado say?
0: So they had the first big case, uh, People versus McKnight. Um, that was the big one that came out, and that was kind of the first. Um, that was kind of like the first like high level test of a like does the odor of marijuana give you sufficient cause to search the vehicle? Uh, and People versus McKnight, and they actually have some other cases. Um, they have People versus McKnight, People versus Gadberry people versus lopez uh and then there's one that starts with an r uh people versus restripo i think what it's called um but mcknight was kind of the big one it came out in 2020 2019 uh 2019 so was a sniff of a vehicle by a drug dog trained to detect the odor of marijuana a search or a sniff pursuant to article two, section seven of their constitution of the Colorado constitution. If that exploratory sniff was a constitutional search, what level of suspicion did police require prior to the utilization of the drug detection dog trained to detect the odor of marijuana? So there's kind of some wonky, there's like two levels here. One, do we even have suspicion that something, some other crime other than marijuana is going on two, um, And we all know because of several cases, Kabalas and blah 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 and U.S. Jones and all these other ones, that a an exterior sniff of the car does not constitute a search or luggage or any of that other shit. That's not a search, right? Um, so ultimately what the Supreme Court of Colorado decided, which it's kind of ironic because they're in the news recently too, <laughs> for a completely yeah. other reason for, for a completely other crazy reason. Um it, they basically said, no, um, they can't like, if you suspect that weed is in the car, you can't use a dog. You got to use some other thing to get into the vehicle. Um, so. It became, it became, then they vacated the sentence on, um, McKnight McKnight's sentence was vacated. So <clears throat> the subsequent hand search of his truck revealed a pipe with methamphetamine residue also. So the majority of that, um, they said that the dog's name is Kilo, by the way, uh, was not alerting to the scent of a lawfully possessed marijuana, uh, but that he was perse- he was alerting to the odor of mar- of uh, methamphetamine, which everyone that runs a dog has had any experience on the road knows that dogs can find RS without a doubt. Um, they can find trace. I mean, transfer like which is the whole odor of not the presence of argument, which is outside the scope of this conversation. But that's the point. So um, they concluded that a sniff from a dog trained to alert to marijuana constituted a search in Colorado that must be supported by probable cause and justified under exception to a warrant requirement. So such as like the automobile exception. So one of the three exceptions for um, searches. So the question became is the proximity of the house in which the drugs been found nearly two months earlier relevant, because that's where they found this dude coming out of a high trafficking area or high drug known known drug area. And to the probability that the contraband under the state law would be found in his truck would be something other than marijuana, and it uh, yeah. So they ended up getting rid of weed dogs, <laughs> and uh, which is weird because there's a ton of um, tribes, there's a ton of uh, reservations in Colorado. Not a ton; they're all in the southern section, uh, and it's still, with the exception of five of the 326 recognized tribes, it's still illegal for because they're under. BIA um control the Bureau of Indian Affairs and it's still a controlled substance but there are five reservations or there are five tribes that have legalized it but so yeah uh people versus Knight was the kind of the first big one um where if you you have to have some other reasonable explanation to say if you have a dog that finds marijuana that you're not going to find it like how do you know so yeah uh, which is an impossible fucking I mean which is impossible. I mean well, I don't know it was impossible, but without short of it being like a controlled stop or like an HSI or DEA thing, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to say yeah 100% of the time. So get rid of the weed dogs. But um but yeah, they've had some the other states um that were in that category. Obviously Colorado is the big one um, within the other states that denied it. Um, California has people versus shoemake. Um, and then we have the Colorado ones. Illinois has people versus dribling. Uh, I think is how you say it or what it is. Maryland has Lewis versus state uh, Commonwealth because they're not a state of Massachusetts is mm. Commonwealth versus Locke, spelled with an E. <laughs> and then oregon obviously state versus bowen um and the oregon one was kind of an interesting one too but uh yeah so and it, it they all follow a very similar um pattern as well um and they all cite specific search parameters whether like for instance oregon i think it's like article one section seven or nine i think it's section nine of the oregon constitution um is like their counterpart to the fourth amendment of the constitution of the United States. So they all cite their individual, like little constitutional pieces, but, um, it all rests on, did they have some information or reasonable suspicion beforehand that they were going to find marijuana? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of like where it lands, but you have those cases that say, and then you've got like the two cases I just mentioned from Ohio that said, even if they thought That that was the case. And in one of those, I don't remember which one it is, but they said that even if that were the case and they found a legal substance and there's been no violation committed, like, I mean, they had reasonable suspicion and then they had probable cause. They had reasonable suspicion that there was criminal activity occurring. A reasonable police officer would assume that they're going to find a scheduled substance. They generate probable cause with the dog along with some other things. They search. All they find is weed. There's been no constitutional violation. Technically, it is it is a scheduled substance. So you write them a citation, cut them loose.
1: What uh, What other states you've seen have kind of gone along those lines?
0: Just those. It's just um, it, those five. It's California. Four, They've five. gone
1: along the Ohio lines. I mean,
0: oh shit. Okay, so um, aside from so we got second, the ninth, and the tenth circuit. Which, if you're in one of those and your state says otherwise, they're probably going to create a 10th Amendment problem, which I don't yeah. think they would. So Arizona, um, ironically enough, California, um, actually has three or four cases, if I remember correctly, that actually affirm uh, Delaware, Florida, um, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, you know, Iowa, Maryland also has five, I want to say, five or six. Uh, Mississippi has a uh, good one. And it's one of those like $150,000 and 44 cents versus like the state, whatever, rate something like it's one of those weird uh, money deals, but it's part of a whole seizure. <clears throat> uh, Nevada, New York, North Carolina has like 70 cases. I don't think it's 70, I think, but it's that they had definitely have the most uh, Oregon has one or two um, Pennsylvania has a couple Rhode Island, Tennessee, ironically enough texas even though it is illegal illegal in texas um but like i said they have a cut, a cut and release program in like travis county austin san antonio dallas uh houston i think like under a certain amount it's, it's not necessarily like decriminalized but like the jurisdiction like the police departments have just kind of said whatever and i think yeah. the municipal courts are like we're not gonna fuck with it uh vermont uh virginia washington state wyoming wisconsin I think that's all of them that have cases affirming odor grants cause.
1: Yeah. So, so if and you're these are
0: dog, these are, I'm sorry, these are dogs, dogs we're related to dog only. Oklahoma actually has a case that's not dog related. That just falls in line with the 10th circuit,
1: which just with odor, like, smell, just smell. odor, right? Same thing. Yeah.
0: Pennsylvania had the exact opposite. So like Pennsylvania actually has like the Supreme court case that says odor doesn't grant you, but, and they're three. Let me look them up. Hold on. Uh, oh, it's another Commonwealth. Okay, sorry. If you're in Pennsylvania, I'm sorry. I know you guys in the East Coast like your Commonwealth things. Um, so it's Commonwealth versus Brody, Burns, and Akbar. Um, 2020, 2022, and 2023 was um, when these were all. Uh, but they're unpublished, so they're not like binding. But it right. does give you sign kind of like an insight into like how they're justifying it but um i can't remember the case off the top of my head that came from their supreme court that um talks about the odor doesn't grant you to access the car so uh it's kind of a you need to read them if you're in that state and be like super up to date on what's going on like this one the brody i think was published in march of this year so i mean it's new new
1: March there's uh yeah so the point is listen man if if they're legalizing or they're or they're um the recreational stuff or they're doing the medical don't do your research before you pull the plug, you know um its it you might be good and you might you might not be you might have to get rid of the dog um i I think the uh state highway patrol here in Ohio was super short. And that's the thing is a lot of people have been asking me agencies calling and asking me what they think. And I'm, you know, just telling them, send them to sheepdog and things like that. I'm like, it's, it's worth your time to, to buy a subscription there and, you know, and go through it. But, but the, the reason why they call and ask is because they don't have the money to get rid of their dogs. You know what I mean? They can't just throw it out and get, you know, sell another 20 grand.
0: So, if you're in one of these states, just a state, I pick one, where it is legal, um, and or it is. Um, see, even I do it. Where it's medicinal, and well, specifically it's medicinal. Um, if you run the dog and the dog alerts, because, like I said, in Oklahoma, my guys, um, I'm not going to mention the agencies, but have snagged millions of dollars um, with illegal transport. Right. And we have a transporter's license in the state. So they pull the car over, they run the dog. They're like, fuck, I got 600 pounds of weed in here. And you're like, oh, here's my transporter's license. But and or they don't have it or whatever it is. Right. So very rarely do legal transporters transport black market weed. Um, So there's a deal here in Oklahoma where we had a tractor trailer stopped in one of my counties. And uh, they were transporting <clears throat> like four tons of hemp from Colorado to Tennessee or vice versa. Um, they had armed security with them. When the stop happened, they ran in a separate no car. No, Lord. Yeah, right. That's something you do when you have a completely legal substance, um, or a completely you know you're on the up and up. Anyway, um, they ran the dogs. The dog alerted. Um, they found a bunch of hemp. A bunch of hemp. But they also found some not hemp. In the car uh, or in the in the trailer. Anyway, um, the the inevitable outcome that happens is this. You have a legitimate stop, right? So you have whatever. It's a fog line violation equipment. They're in a stop sign. They're speeding. I don't know. Whatever your reason for stopping them is. You develop your reasonable suspicion. You run the vehicle. Most of the time, if you're in a medicinal state and people are like, I have weed in the car. Here's my permit. And you know, and most, most of my guys are like, well, where is it? Let me see it. And they show it to them. And it's the thing. They're like, okay, whatever. Fine. And because that's not all, it's not like we're yanking people out of cars just because they have weed in the car. There's so much other shit that goes into it. And if you inevitably get to the point where you run the dog because they deny, you know, they're driving, they're not tra- they're traveling, they're not driving or one of the other bullshit that they do here too. You develop all these things. And then you say, look, At this point, I'm kind of convinced that there's other, you're not saying this, you're thinking, I'm kind of convinced that there's other side kind of illegal activity going on here, we run the dog, we get an alert, and then you do find weed. And now you have to do a compliance check. But what it does is it also gives you access to the vehicle. So but we're doing a compliance check at this point, making sure that it's in the container, it's got their name on it, it's under the amount, they have all their shit in order, they have their permit, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And if there's no constitutional violation, Or if there's no violation, I'm sorry, not constantly. If there's no violation of those statutes or those laws, you cut them loose with their traffic ticket and tell them to have a nice day. It's not, I mean, it's the same thing as if you roll up and say, if you see, well, it's similar to rolling up and seeing an open alcohol container in the vehicle. Like what would you assume? Or if you walk up and see a meth pipe in their little thing, there's a case out of Wisconsin or Wyoming where a trooper sees a syringe in the driver's pocket and he's like bro are you diabetic he's like no why he's like what do you have a syringe for he's like i don't have one." And it's like sticking it in his like shirt pocket <laughs> get him out every get all the passengers out of the car and they find like a pound of meth in like the backseat passenger's purse or some shit so there's so much other stuff that goes into it than just a dog alert um so don't like these cases that we're talking about are like specifically aimed at dogs and right. weed. so
1: All right, guys, you got a lot to look up. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our next commercial break. we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of training and some of the dumb crap that we're hearing when it comes to related to uh, keeping your your marijuana-trained dog in service. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. We'll be back. All right, Some of our oldest sponsors are the Pergasons down in North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. We love those folks. We see them everywhere. All the stuff that we do, we go to, we have a good time with them. But the fact is they're really good dog trainers. They're really good dog people. They got full courses uh, in person and online. They got a trainer, uh, dog trainers course uh, that you can go down there and learn how to train working dogs, uh, pet dogs, everything. Uh, they do a lot of business stuff on there. Um, but One of the best things they have is an online supervisor course. The course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs, handlers, proper deployment, and FLSA issues. 30% off with that with a discount code WDR30. Great people down there, they know their stuff. Uh, Tactical Police Canine Training.com is the website. Tactical Police Canine Training.com. WDR30 for 30% off the online supervisors course. Guys, you need to get on there and check them out. They are great. Highland Canine Training don't miss out one of the long-time sponsors of the show is
0: dr eric and i are actually both field staff guys so uh doctor has been committed for over 20 years to crafting training college to perfect the precise fit and finish and in intuitive design and account and accountable performance The 1900 SE collar demonstrates what they strive for, which is an ultimate dog training tool that is durable, dependable, and designed for the most demanding conditions. And I actually use this thing at the kennel. They have the new black one that has the lock and the boost feature on it as well, as well as the hands-free, which we use a ton. If you guys follow me on social media, you see that I use that during tracking. We do that negative reinforcement trick, which is what the the collar that we're using. The other thing is the YS600. So funny fact: It stands for Yo, Shut Up the number of times that you won't have to say it because it works every time. So use the discount code WDR one zero for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. And of course they also have the popper and the dropper, which I think I have five of that can I use all the time. So hit them up. Dogtra.com WDR one zero for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. It's no secret that Eric and I love Ray Allen canine equipment. We use their products every single day. The mission statement says it all: to be a world leader in quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, schutzen, and ring sport. To exceed our customers' expectations and to deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full heartedly believe they held true to that, since it's our go to one stop shop for everything. Like they literally have everything but the dog, the handler, and the patrol vehicle. Everything else they got, they got it covered. So hit them up at Ray Allen dot com at ray allen canine on the socials. They got a new training app and they got new product collaborations. Oh and we have a new discount code RAM WDR. Like Ram R A M W D R like Working Dog Radio. Ram W D R for 10% off. Hit them up, ray Allen.com. It's no secret that I love my ALM suit from Arno out at ALM canine equipment in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. I've had that thing forever. Eric affectionately refers to it as my Carhartt suit because it's so thin. <laughs> uh, I've had multiple sleeves put back on it, send it back to Arnaud. He fixes me up every single time. The fit and finish is top-notch, and it fits me like a glove. I refuse to go anywhere without it. I work sport dogs and PSA without it. I just did a trial in California and wore that thing. I work police dogs pretty much every day of the week, and then I use it for personal protection dogs as well. So hit ALM Canine Equipment up on Instagram and Facebook, and then go to AL m K nine letter k number nine equipment.com and use the discount code wd radio for 10 percent off of your first order and this is completely custom so made to measure pick your colors whatever you want to do arno will work with you you can make it as thin or as thick as you want but hit them up alm canine equipment.com
1: dreamed of having your own kennel but don't know where to start horizon structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel Everything is pre-built to your specifications and preferences and then assembled and dropped off on your land. Boom, new kennel hooked up to your electric, hooked up to your water, put dogs in it that day. And those things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Get on the website, horizonstructures.com. You can custom build. You can buy one that's already built. Go off of their design. Come up with your own design. They'll work with you. Uh, They always are running discounts on the website. With ready to go kennels, the kennels are already ready to go. There's always discounts. Horizonstructures.com, check them out. All right, guys, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite, talking weed and weed dogs. Uh, if you listen to, if you've listened up to this point, Ted just <clears> gave <throat> you a lot of fucking homework. Basically, <laughs> go check out your shit, check out your states, talk to your prosecutors. This is all open source information folks. As long as they're
0: not idiots, you can talk to your prosecutors.
1: Right. Yeah. Get them, get them up to speed. You know, they don't know there's, I mean, there's so there's millions of court cases that you can't expect them to know them all. They need help. Um, so step in and help them. And, uh, you know, remember we, Ted and I are not lawyers, not giving you legal advice. That's we're telling you to, uh, you know, do, do some research on your own now. I'm going to talk about something, and then Ted's going to talk about the uh, kind of a a difference between extinction and, um, quote, unimprinting training. Um, So in Ohio, originally, when they uh, made it medical, not not too many people panicked and got rid of their dogs, really, because, again, like you said, it's regulated. The proof that you're doing it right was on the user the the end user not not the uh canine handlers, because recreation was still illegal now the um prevailing like it didn't really know how it was going to go but if you're kind of going along with the way the country seems to be headed um like today we saw that uh, the president pardoned every federal possession person ever um that that's uh in prison or, or on probation or parole right now, he commuted their sentences and stuff like that. Um, he's encouraging the States to do the same thing. Um, I can tell you during my career at the police department, I put a lot of people in prison with marijuana a lot. Um, nobody's going to prison for small use amounts, but like pounds and pounds, we had a lot of murders, a lot of homicides related to marijuana. So um, I'm still big, big time anti-weed, but um Anyways, when it when it started going, you had trainers starting to tell prosecutors, police departments, and things, and it's still happening in Ohio. I heard about a trainer. I'm not going to say his name. Um, he he listens to the show. You know, I'm talking to you. If if anyone tells you that they can unimprint the dog, now listen. I also don't want to hear from any foreign dudes that are like imprinting is happens in the, in the, uh, whelping area. Listen, jerk off. We, everyone in this country and dogs understands when we say imprinting, it means teaching the dogs, the odor of whatever substance explosive, whatever
0: a worthless odor. Valuable.
1: Yeah. Is stop. Stop with your bullshit. Little crap. Everyone knows what we're talking about, but anyways, um, so everybody, they're telling, there's some trainers out there telling, like, huge organizations that they can unimprint the dog. And what they're actually just doing is putting marijuana in a box, or they're putting it in a filing cabinet, or they're putting it in a vehicle. They, when the dog goes to sniff it, they just hit them on a 127 on a Dogtra e-collar. Uh, Shout out to Dogtra. Yeah, that's their, <laughs> that's their, they they believe that they can smoke the dog on an e collar or rip his head off with a prong collar choke chain, and that will unimprint him. It's the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever seen. I don't ever heard. To... It's, there's some dumb shit that is said and happens in, in this canine world. That to me has been the dumbest. The, that and people do. who say that the dog can tell the difference between a gun and a cell phone in a person's hand.
0: Oh, that is a dumb one. I've heard that. I I had somebody ask me, I did, I was at a training and I said, uh, you know, police department can't make yourself know the dog will find you and he will bite you, blah, blah, blah. You know, the announcement deal. I had somebody ask me they're like, does he know if you're saying police or sheriff's department, like which one? I'm like, of course he does. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I didn't know how to answer that. Of course, I don't want to be rude, but I thought he's not Scooby doo. That's what we're going to call this episode. So, um, (laughs) that's how they do snake training, right? So, um, they do snake aversion training. Uh, And it's aversion training, right? Same thing. Um, Suspicious association is what I think the technical term is. Justin Rigby probably going to text me and be like, no, it's this. Well, he'll tell me what it is, but it's extinction training, right? So the trick with that is uh, most of the time that works because those dogs don't have a huge, um, don't have a huge experience with e-collars. Um, if you're using an e-collar correct, like if you go to Eric's class and you're using negative reinforcement or like how I do tracking or Michael Lilly and who I was, we use negative reinforcement. Uh, I use negative reinforcement during detection work now. Um, and I know people watch me use e collars during detection work. They're like, you're going to ruin the dog. And I'm like, okay. So, uh, we use negative reinforcement, but negative reinforcement preps the dog for positive punishment. And effectively what we're doing is trying to create a classical conditioned response with, high levels of e-collar stimulation in the presence of odor right to create some sort of like aversion to that odor right so the problem is it works for snakes like if you have these dogs that run around you know out in the desert southwest like that's how they do snake aversion training and that's how we do like suspicious association for counter surfing and get into the trash can and all that other shit, right they think the hand of god comes down and fucking slaps them the problem with police dogs and this is going that direction, which I'm happy about is that the dogs are generally a lot more, um, generally a lot. They've been exposed to e-collars a lot more, um, either good or bad. The issue becomes in this method that Eric is talking about is does, is it fundamentally clear to the dog why he is being plugged in like a Christmas tree? And that's the initial question because I've heard this too before. So, are we correcting the dog for giving us a positive train final response on a known odor of marijuana or does the dog think that we're correcting him for searching? And again, it's like a dick on my forehead moment when I ask people that and they're like, uh, that's yeah. a good question. I'm like, "Because we don't want to punish searching, right? Which is why when dogs are new and they're green and I, they want I'm trying to get them to hunt for odor. And they go off on where I know there's no odor. I have to tell trainers to handle this all the time. I'm like, just let him go. I mean, there's nothing over there. So fuck it. Let him go over there. I don't care. He can search. He can search as long as he wants. I don't give a shit until he finds target odor, right? Like I'll never pull a dog off of stuff that they want to go look at. Um, that's a handling thing, though. But did, what are they being correct? Why, why are we plugging him in like a Christmas tree? And then they stop and look at me. And they're like, well, we don't want him to alert on marijuana. I'm like, okay, how does he know that? Right. I mean, what's, what's the reward history here? Like, how old is this dog? He's six, right? He's been certified five times. Like, let's <laughs> assume he's six years old. He's been certified five times a order dog. You put marijuana out. And so assuming you're training, you're 16 hours a week. Um, however many fucking hours that is 52 times 16 times five is a big number. <laughs> and however many times the dog has been rewarded for marijuana during the quote unquote imprinting phrase, they get rewarded a shit ton through behavior shaping devices or whatever, right? In the early phases of detection work, I mean, we're, we're in the number of thousands of rewards for, um, marijuana. So now we have also created a competing motivator problem, right? So do we have a motivation to hunt? for a known odor that we have a massive reward history on and i know other trainers are going to hear this at every other podcast and i just you can disagree with me all the fuck you want i do this i have a class with 20 fucking handlers in it starting next month i sold 100 fucking police dogs this year like out of my tiny little kennel so and i did 120 fucking handler schools like you can disagree with me all the fuck you want that's fine i don't care but we have a competing motivator problem the dog has been rewarded for years on this odor and we think that a few reps. Give me three, give me, I'll give you a fucking month on a six-year-old dog has been certified five times on a month to one, keep him hunting for the three knowns that we want, but also extinguish Right. the marijuana, right? So I would love to hear somebody talk about eloquently, mm-hmm. not me, about how they convey this message to the dog. Now, we can do it without the e-call. You just stop rewarding him over and over and over again. But then we create another problem. Does the dog understands that we're not rewarding him because we don't want him to search that anymore? Or are we not rewarding him because we don't want him to search? And then we create the other problem. So how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, and these dudes it, it, dude, these guys are putting weed in the seam of a car and when the dog goes and smells it and gives a change of behavior Lightening them up as a like a christmas tree as you said and then are like Yeah, but now he won't go to the car. No shit
0: <laughs> You don't say man positive punishment is a motherfucker a lot of times. It's a singular learning event There's a reason yeah. I don't touch hot stoves, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying i've done it once and I learned not to do it again I mean, it is a like and especially because these dogs do have a pretty good history with e-collars, whether they're being used incorrectly or not is not outside the scope of this conversation. But, um, you know, when this initially happened, we had and I sat down and I talked with people that I really respect, namely Anthony Moore um, Travis Salisbury guys that are like state certifiers, Jared Johnson, Eric, Derek David, or, uh, Eric Johnson, who's the national, he's the USPCA president right now is the TPD sergeant. And I've kind of talked with them about this kind of stuff. And, um, because that was kind of an initial, like, are we going to do this? Are we going to fucking proof dogs off of weed? And the consensus is, do we want to open that door? Do we want to ask that? Do we want that, that to be a question to, that we have to answer? Um, the dog found weed before, cause in Oklahoma, if you're a three odor dog and you decide you want to go to four, you go to four odors. So then we initially floated the thing about, well, we can do the anti-certification, which is where we put weed out. And then we document in certification, in a certification setting, remember Florida versus Harris, we can be hundred percent accurate that the dog walks marijuana odor. I mean, we can document that, right? Like we can document Mm -hmm. it in a double blind, even certification setting. Again, that opens the door to all kinds of other shit. And anyone that's run a dog in the street for any number of years knows, and a trainer, if you've done it for a while, right? Dogs learn odors very quickly. There is very few times where you stop a car, you run it, you find weed that you don't also find tobacco. Inadvertently, dogs become kind of associated with, it may not be like a, a strong response, right? Which is also another, this goes down the whole US versus Bentley thing about not rewarding on the road, but that's a, another conversation because I, I teach my guys not to reward on the road, like at all. Um, people are going to hear that. Not not ever, like if they find something, take the dog back and run and do and play the game, right? But on an actual search, like we don't do it. Uh, I tell them not to do it. One, it's a safety thing too. Um, we've had people run from stops when they see the dog sit, <laughs> or they see the handler reward the dog and they're like, Oh, I know that means you found something. And they run, um, which ends up not, it ends exactly how you think it ends. Um, that's outside the scope of this conversation though. But from that perspective, do we want to answer those questions? So you can, because now, because of Florida versus Harris, your records are discoverable. Um, you gotta, you gotta do it. When we do our end service trainings on Thursday nights, we have weed out. Um, I have the, uh, the three odor three dogs run weed also. And then I tell the handlers, I'm like, he's fucking blew off weed. So you need a document. It. So in training, they're documenting that the dog is walking odor that is walking. It's questionable, a certifiable odor that they're not certified to find. Right. And it's a single blind, all the, almost all the time with the exception of a few like skills nights in our in service, everything is blind, uh, single blind single blind not double um we do double blind once for every well once a quarter for every handler because whoever puts the because there's always two me or jaden or whoever jacob and there's two of us there all the time somebody puts the odor out somebody acts as a certifier and then so then like like last night for example jaden put the odor out and then we had one of the handlers run and i acted as a certifier i didn't know where the fines were so i was able to call alerts at the same time the handler was doing so we did a double blind and i had the handler the double blind um but we still put weed out so, um, and then they walk it, I'm not real sure that states and bona fide third parties need to be in the business of the anti-certification.
1: The proofing, Same. yeah.
0: Yeah. I I don't know that that's a, I don't know that that's a, a road that we need to go down. Um,
1: no, because, because the it's, next it's thing a, they'll, they'll oh, want you to proof off of dirty socks, yeah. uh, Poof off of tennis balls. Poof off of kongs, fucking Doritos, tampons, like, like fucking so, kitty litter,
0: like so food. Uh, that's not a, the road I think we should go down. Uh, inevitably, I think it opens a door that doesn't need to be opened. Um, right now, the door is locked, and a lot of times people even know the door is there. So I don't know. I don't know um, that we need to go down that road. Uh, I certainly don't want to go down that road. Um, fuck no. No. Uh, yeah. And, and so. And this is 100% where going to people that are really good at interdiction, not necessarily dog handlers, that are really, really good interdiction guys. Like, for example, people I mentioned a minute ago, Anthony Moore is a fantastic interdiction guy. In fact, all of our state, all of our bureau guys are really good. I think probably every state's guys are really good, now yeah. that I think about it. But mine, because I deal with them all the time, are actually really, really good. They're really good at non-dog stuff, like interdiction shit. Yeah. And they're the people to talk to about that and about what I'm talking about from, I'm we're specifically talking about the, the nuts and bolts and the pseudo semi-sciencey side of the whole extinction training thing or whatever D imprinting or whatever word we're using now.
1: Yeah. So in conclusion, if you, if your trainer works at your agency and he tells the brass, listen, I can, un, I'll just un, imprint them on weed. We'll just, uh, well, I'll, I'll handle it. Give me a week, a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll get it done. Uh, he should be removed and pretty much immediately as a trainer and everything he says going forward should be questioned. Um, and if it's a private contractor that you use um, that says he can do that, you should avoid uh, that contract immediately. Um, especially the ones that are saying they can do it for like $5,000 per dog. Um, there's That's a guy specific. <laughs> there's a guy in this state that claims you can't, take a dog from a handler. Like if he leaves, say the dog's three years old, you can't just put him with a new hand, you know, a new guy, unless you deprogram the dog first. Oh, that's $6,000. Um, what? And yeah, oh, it's the, there's so many fucking SIM card out or what? fucking con artists around here, man. And people don't know
0: new SIM card in the dog.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Let's just take that out. Just like my, you know, my phone and your new SIM card so I can use it in Dubai. Um, Anyways, so a lot of information we've given you guys. Uh, There's a lot of charlatans out here, man. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people training dogs in this country that are uh, full of shit. But they're in a bigger pond where they're dealing with admins. There's very few admins that I've met that were canine guys back in the day. Um, the canine well, guys they
0: were, I mean, they were there when fucking Clinton was in office yeah. and like there's shit has changed. Yeah.
1: Like, most canine guys training, don't have aspirations of being a chief. No, they want to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they want to find drugs and find bad guys. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, get- yeah.
0: Most of those guys were like canine handlers back in like the late nineties. And mm-hmm. like, there has been, that's back when they were fucking people up in Florida for like stealing fishing poles and shit. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, curve versus West Palm beach territory. And like, that's the wild West pre body cam, like beat the shit out of people with mag lights. Like that is not the guy you want teaching your fucking patrol class. I promise that.
1: I feel attacked just now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eric's looking up like, are you talking to me? Just like trying to give me the signal. He's like, are you talking to me?
1: (laughs) That, that D-Cell Maglite was fucking legit, boy. Sounded like a shotgun when you put it up here like that. Um, so anyways, uh, we got uh pay attention because we're going to have another guest on. Ted alluded to it earlier, probably end of January, beginning of February, a little bit deeper insight into some things. There's some things that are going to be happening that um, some folks are going to shit their pants. So we got to freak out. Yeah, just we're not going to get into it. We're not going to let it out. So Don't freak out. We'll see what's up, um, and 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 we'll get to talk to some people. In the meantime, Ted, uh, where where you can, can you be found?
0: Oh man, uh, probably working on this five hundred one and uh, doing handle schools. Uh, <laughs> for <laughs> foreseeable. Like I'm taking next week to like semi off, um, and because I won't have any green dogs, I will have a few police dogs, and then January second it is. Like an eight to five every day. The bazillion handlers. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you can find me on social media. Ted underscore summers on the Instagrams. Uh Working underscore dog underscore radio. Um then we have the 501 is ocK 9 fundorg Uh it's OCK9 fund on Instagram. Um and then Torchlight K9 and Torchlight Pets, letter K number nine is if you want to see pets. Uh we have a I have it called a kick a pet. It's the name is Sadie, it's a little white thing like this is tiny and it's a biter. But I have pictures of her. They have pictures of her on there. We have a bunch of pit bulls and so um yeah if you want to look at pet photos that's that's yours too. What about
1: you? Uh yeah uh Van S Canine um Ridge Side Canine Ohio uh on the Van S side keep an eye on I'll be putting we make flyers up for all the seminars that I got I'll be putting I put one up the other day for the Dothan Alabama one um and I've got a I'm just going to be putting a lot up here pretty soon. i um, going to be over at PenVet with a doc that's in April, I think. I can't remember. I'll have the, the dates on that. Um, but PenVet's got me coming over to do that, that class for them. And uh, over in Indiana, I've done – you and I both have done a lot of seminars in Indiana, man. Those guys yeah, put out money. They work
0: yeah indiana yeah. and pennsylvania on both sides of pennsylvania both in philly and in uh, uh pittsburgh area mm-hmm. a lot so yeah shout out to Penn vet guys doc up there they're they they do a lot of work there yeah sure. they're
1: they're good man I, I remember during covid the only place that was bringing us in for hrd seminars were in indiana and uh we rock and rolled over there man that central indiana canine association yep. brought us over there i've been over there Gosh, twice for them boys. This is a new one this is a different group but uh, should be filled up so anyways guys thanks for checking in and uh, yeah. uh, check out our sponsors and we'll see you on the next one
0: you got your reasons I got my wants still got that feeling but I'm too old.